Well, it is May 30th, 2019, and I'm here in St. Catharines, Ontario, with Ted Meridian. Ted, welcome to Teuton Talk. Thanks, Anthony. I mean, Tony. <laughs> it's Anthony? No, what? Anthony. E- either one, either, either one. one. Wh- whichever you prefer. I can do whatever I want. Okay, so Ted has a great project called The 2% Factor, and if you go to uh, the2percentfactor.com, you can find information on it. And he's got uh, a trademarked um, thing called the Law of Cooperative Action. And it's very interesting. And Ted, I was wondering if you could just speak to us a bit about the 2% factor initially. Oh, great. Um, I will. Uh, well, it, it's interesting. The, the Law of Cooperative Action and the 2% factor are both combined together. But basically, the 2% factor is this. There, there are a group of people who have been put on this planet to screw with us, to totally mess with everybody on the planet. And uh, you know they're they're the people they're the people who argue with you about the politics, religion, their family members, their friends, and all that stuff. And uh, everybody fights with them. Everybody tries to change them. And uh, I realize you can't. They they have a disease. The poor people they're sick. They and I've categorized that disease for people. It's called anal cranial inversion. You just you just can't fix them. And our problem is we keep trying to fight them. One day I thought they travel in packs, and you've probably had those days too where, you know, you think, why are all these crazy people talking to me today? And I checked with the Niagara Regional Police, and I said, what's the percentage of society that'll pick up a gun and shoot you? And they said it's about 2%. Now, a psychologist who works for the World Food Program at the, at the, at the um, psychiatrist, not a psychologist, uh, in, in the UN, He was on our website one time. He said, Ted, you're bang on. He said, the actual stats are women are 1% crazy, men are 3% crazy. So that also can tell you about why the world's so screwed up, right? Um, So the interesting thing is once I realized the 2% were there, and and these people, no matter what you say or what you do, they will try to cheat you or do something. And then I realized they run our entire planet. We have 100 kilometer hour speed limits because 2% can't drive. We go through the beepy things in the store because 2% steal. Kindergarten teachers can't hug their kids because 2% molest. You won't pick somebody on the side of the road because 2% mug. And I could go on and on and on. You'll wear an outfit, a thousand people will see you in that outfit. One person will come up to you and say, you know, you're looking a little fat in that, and you'll throw it away. That's how pervasive the 2% are. We usually make our 2% our 98%. Another example, you have a flat tire. What happens? Everybody in the world that day knows about the flat tire. It's a flat tire, fix it. So our problem as humans is we take this little pimple and we make it our entire day. So what we've studied is how to neutralize that and how to keep the 2% in perspective. And when we go into corporations, even even working with people, everybody's trying to get the 2%er to change. You can't. You'll do respectful workplace seminars where people go in and say, now here's how you have to behave. Well, a 98% are sitting in the room looking at the, at the employer and saying, you know who the two jerks are, <laughs> why don't you deal with them? And the jerks in the room are going, not me, you can't touch me anyway. So they don't work. Our program and our philosophy with the 2% factor is that we give the tools to the 98% to neutralize the two instead of trying to change the two, which you can't. So that's the basic concept of it. 
So when we go into the law of cooperative action, which I created at Brock University over four years in the 90s, um, and studying how the 2% affect us as human beings and the interconnectedness of this whole world and this whole planet, that's where the law of cooperative action came into effect. So basically, here, here, here's what that is. We're all interconnected and interdependent. If you look at the all of the universe, all of the planet, everybody around, the trees, the air, the earth, uh, even some animals sacrifice their lives so other animals can live. So the interconnectedness of us, we can't get away from. It's there. And, 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 and the 2% are in part of that. Good people are part of that. You know, you'll have your good day, your bad day. It's all part of it. Now, when you look at the universe, everything works out. The trees work out, the animals. Our problem as human beings is when we became sentient, instead of just dealing with, I'm hungry today, I go, I go eat, you know, the anger, the me comes into effect. So our problem as human beings every day is that we're trying to assert our self or who we are within that interdependence without harming the interdependence or more importantly allowing the interdependence to harm us. And that's where the big problem occurs. That's where the 2% come in. <clears throat> because that issue that happens, uh, you have plan a picnic, it rained that day. That's a 2% incident. So that's the whole 2% concept. So it's not only people, but it's incidents that affect our lives and the 2%. So with the law of cooperative action, every day a human being is trying to figure out how do I fit in? How do I become authentically Ted within that interconnectedness? We solved that with the cooperative action model on how we neutralize how the effect is. I, I give you another easy example. We're all in a fast flowing stream, uh, the river of life. We're not in separate streams, we're all in the same. Whatever's gonna happen in North Korea or someplace else affects our part of the stream. Our problem, again, as humans, is we keep trying to control the stream. Every time you get mad at Uncle Louie, every time you get mad at your partner, every time you get upset with traffic, the weather, you're trying to control the stream. What we say is stop trying to control the stream, but instead control how you navigate the stream. Now it's not go with the flow, it's control how you navigate the stream. Keeping in mind, doing your best not to harm the stream, more importantly, don't allow the stream to harm you. And when, and when you look at that simple analogy, it comes clear for a lot of people. Every time I go get angry at something, I'm trying to control the stream. Instead of saying, okay, how am I gonna be in control of this situation? Simply put, it's not what happens to you it counts, it's how you act or react to what happens to you. <clears throat> That's most important. So that, so that's, that in a nutshell is, is really you know, what it is. And the law of cooperative action, or sorry, the cooperative action model has six tenets, six laws on how you neutralize any situation. And uh, it works. It, we, we've been doing it now since the late 90s, and um, it works. I, I can neutralize any situation whatsoever based on the, the six tenets of the model. It reminds me a bit of martial arts in, yes. in essence. 
like uh, I think of Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do, which I studied a bit of, and uh, it's a you know combination of several different forms, and it's a form without a form essentially. So the water becomes the glass, the tea becomes the teapot, you know, and you adapt to whatever scenario you have to. And uh, it kind of reminds me of that in essence in terms of its model. I, I, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's a good analogy. And, and it is. It, it's about being 100% in control of yourself, same as martial arts, but without having to go and be aggressive to other things that are around you. By the same token, you're never walked over because there's a point where, where you will defend yourself. But again, it's not about harming the other person. It's about deflecting and being in control of whatever that battle is. Now, a lot of people get confused about this by thinking it's a Zen type of thing. Um, it is and it isn't because like if a bird poops on me today, I'm pissed. <laughs> Right? And it's not about, oh, the bird pooped on me. Well, that's what God wanted or whatever the universe wanted. No, no, I'm mad. But what it teaches you is that mad is about a second. Right? Jeez. Like that. And then it's over. If some idiot's in traffic, ah, and then it's over. So it's not about staying in this zone all the time. It's all right to be angry. But it's not all right to go out and kill all the birds or, or to go crazy on it. You know, I actually had that happen to me last week after I saw my uncle. A uh, bird did its business on me, and uh, I'm glad to say that I, uh, I think I fell into your model in terms of how I dealt with it. That's cool. But um, one of the things that I'm very interested in is I, I was just in Mexico, and you are associated with the university in Monterey. Yes. And uh, can you tell us a bit about that association and, and where it's headed? Yeah, actually, it's it's very interesting. Uh, Tech de Monterrey in Mexico. It's in Monterrey, Mexico. They have about uh, seventy thousand students. They have a teaching hospital. They're ranked number two in Mexico, and their business department is ranked in the top fifty in the world. Last summer, I had the um, um, I guess the, the 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 good fortune to go and teach twenty five of their professors down there in their business department, the law of cooperative action and the model. And they liked it so much. We're now working on hopefully and possibly putting together the Cooperative Action Institute. Now, it's, it's in its primary form right now, so I don't know where it's going to end up finally. And uh, um, because this podcast is going out there, I don't want to commit the university into something that we're not there yet. But the, the, we are in, a, in, in sort of a, a, a talking point right now where we're, we're going to move to, I hope, the, law of, or the Cooperative Action Institute. It will, if it works out, be the first university in the world to teach human skills because that's one of our biggest problems in the world today is the lack of human skills. How do you deal with the 2%? How do you deal with the interactions of family? How, how do you deal with loss of death and all of those sorts of things? Most or institutions will teach leadership, will teach communication, will teach psychology, sociology, all of that stuff but not human skills. How do you navigate this stream? How do you be in control of the journey? So I'm really excited because if, if this does come to fruition, it's gonna take a few years, but it'll be the first university in the world and it'll be based on uh, a lot of my stuff. And, and I'm excited because they're also gonna do more research about my, my theories and, and, and hone it more, make it, make it better. And uh, hopefully it'll, it'll really help a lot of people in the world. And, and, that's what we need nowadays. 
Sounds, sounds fantastic. It sounds like, <clears throat> excuse me, a very exciting opportunity. And uh, the fact that it's international as well um, states something too. Um, I'm just curious about your public speaking. You uh, do a lot of public speaking and you've said you've never written a script or a speech before. So um, can you tell us a bit about your public speaking? Well, that, that's, a, that's sort of a, um, a funny story, too, because originally my career, I haven't worked for anybody since 1973, and I started out in a real estate company, and I wrote a book on how to sell real estate called The One-Hour Qualifier. Well, that started getting me into speaking and training, and then uh, eventually in the, in the early 90s, I, I went full-time as a professional speaker, and I've, uh, I did a world tour in 91 where I went around the world for six weeks doing speaking and visiting, and uh, it was pretty good. So, uh, you know, we're in seven countries right now with our business and uh, doing our consulting and speaking, um, and I love it. My biggest audience has been about 2,500 people, um, and uh, I did improv at Second City and uh, some stand-up, so my speeches are also... Um, they're off the cuff, uh, you know, and, and that's why I've never, never written a speech. I know what I want to say. I take notes down. I also um, don't use PowerPoint or anything like that. I, I have a flip chart. I put some notes on a flip chart whenever I want to. I, my, one of my trademarks is flip-flops. I, I very rarely wear shoes, so I wear flip-flops, jeans, and... Uh, and again, these, these professors I had down in, in, in Monterey, think about this. These are, these are masters, PhDs, these are professors. I had them for two six-hour days with no PowerPoint, just a flip chart. And um, they loved it because it was real. And I think it, it, from a speaker standpoint, because I, I was a member of the National Speakers Association of the States and one of the founding members of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, and too many speakers are what we call cut and paste. You know, they, they get polished and they quote other people and then they embellish on the quote, but they're not authentically themselves. Um, I've always been Ted, just done Ted. And uh, I love it. You put me in front of an audience anywhere and I'll keep doing it. I'm 71 now. And, you know, as long as I can remember my words and get on a plane, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll speak. I love it. And, and it affects audiences. There's nothing greater than an audience laughing so hard, but there's a message in the story or the joke that you told. And then getting that standing ovation at the end just blows me away. It must be exhilarating. So um, in terms of your public speaking, at the basis of your speeches, uh, is it the 2% factor? And to what extent do you expand upon that? It is, and it depends on the group because we personalize and customize each speech. So it depends on the outcome that they want, whether it's customer service, and that relates to the 2% factor. Like, how do you deal with the 2 percenters? If it's employee engagement, how do you deal with 2 percenters in your office? If it's um, um, marketing or something, it doesn't matter what it is. It's how do you deal with the world out there? And we, we go through the basic concepts. Uh, most of them nowadays are about eliminating conflict and stress in your life or in the corporation. Uh, one of the modules we, we talk about is uh, we put an M in front of ego. It's called the Mego. It's me who gets upset. It's me who gets annoyed. It's me who gets frustrated. 
So we teach people to silence their ego. And now once you do that, you can actually deal with somebody in a logical manner. Because when emotion takes over, you're gonna say the wrong thing. Because it's the emotion that's saying it, not the actual fact of the situation, right? right? Like I said earlier, it's a flat tire, fix it. Don't kick the car, don't kick the tire. <laughs> that's emotion. It's a flat tire, fix it. And we have other, other modules that we talk about in those too. It's, it's how to be proactive, not reactive. When you're dealing with a group of people in an office or, or a family setting, because we do a lot of family stuff too, you know who's more anal than somebody. You know who's always 10 minutes late. So figure out how to neutralize how their actions are affecting you instead of trying to change their actions to accommodate you. And when you, when you, when you figure that all out, it becomes easy like the idea and you use the martial arts so when you when you when you get to that that height in martial arts where you're the master right mm -hmm. in the model in the in the cooperative action model when you get to the point where you're at the top in that model the stream then becomes insignificant if you follow that in my life this stream is insignificant so it's just there but I'm in control 100% on how I act and react. Keeping in mind, again, not to harm the stream. So I can't harm you. Part of the model, tenant number two, is everybody should be allowed to do anything they want as long as they don't knowingly adversely affect the plan or anyone else. So part of that is I cannot harm you. Um, there's an old Sanskrit saying that we use is ahimsa. Ahimsa means harmlessness. So the idea is to go through this journey by doing your best not to harm. Tenant number one is I celebrate your right to be who you are, even a two percenter. My job isn't to change you, fix you. To adapt, I guess. And, and you use the term neutralize, and I was thinking about that earlier. That seems to be the key term. It's about neutralizing situations and neutralizing people. That's exactly it. Like tenant number three is about communication. So instead of telling somebody what they did wrong, because in their mind at the time they did it, they believe they're right. The two percenter always believes they're right. So in the mind, so so think about this. If somebody believes their religion is righter, their politics are righter, their way of doing something is righter than yours. How do you how do you fight that? Stop. You don't fight that. Let them be that. If they want to put ketchup in their coffee, that's their business. It stops when they try to force you to put ketchup in your coffee. Right? right? So it's it's how to neutralize that effect. And sometimes it means breaking the relationship up saying sorry I, I, I can't I don't want to play with you anymore right and tenant number three is about communication it's never tell somebody what they're doing wrong only tell them how their actions are affecting you you know so when you say hey Ted um, I know you thought you were right when you did that but here's how it made me feel I know you're a good guy and probably didn't mean it even if it's a two percenter because then what's happened is you're neutralizing their effect right and um, it's amazing. Um, there's a tenant number four, or tenant number five is, uh, or number four is about coming from a place of if I can, I will. Again, we get caught up in, well, I like you, so I'm gonna do more for you, but I don't like them, so I'm not gonna give them anything. Instead of saying, no, if I can, I will, without losing my sense of self. And that's the key part, because instead of getting angry, say, is that, why is that, why am I angry at this? I'm not. 
doesn't matter if I give them the extra piece of cake, who cares, right? Tenant number five is all about mutual trust and respect. That's based on everything, not power and ownership. People react better to trust and respect than they do to power and ownership. And one of the keys is tenant number six. When I studied and did the research on relationships, all of the Myers-Briggs, True Colors, everything, it's about always trying to be together. Oh, come on, suck it up. You know, you're being overly sensitive. No, those are all wrong. The some relationships aren't meant to be. So tenant number six, we tell people it's okay to walk away. But it's also how to walk away mentally so you may not have to walk away physically. I mean, you might have some people uh, in your life who the way they chew gum pisses you off. Well, they don't have the problem. <laughs> They're just chewing gum the way they chew it. So who's the one with the problem? And that's where I have to walk away from my issue with them chewing gum. Right. Generally, if I can do that, I can still keep them in my life and have a relationship because now the gum chewing becomes insignificant. Mm -hmm. And I guess the reverberations associated with neutralizing a scenario and situation are vast. So they, it, it permeates. Oh, it does, it's huge. Because all of a sudden there's a calmness around you, there's a calmness in the room. And when someone comes in yelling and screaming, and you know, I, uh, wow, that sounds awful. So what are you gonna do about it? Well, what do you mean, what am I gonna, well, you, you say you're having a problem, so what are you gonna do about it? Or if somebody comes up with you with a total, um, you know, out, out of left field comment that you say, really? You know, like if someone said, oh, I read in the internet, those people over there eat their young. And you're going, what? Really? So instead of fighting them and saying, you're wrong, that internet, where'd you read that? Now we're in conflict. Mm -hmm. Instead, you go, wow, you really believe that? Well, yeah, yeah. So help me understand. And I use that a lot. Help me understand why you believe that. Help me understand why you thought taking my space here was the right thing to do. Now we're in a conversation, not conflict. Conflict is like two hands clapping. If you take one hand away, there's no conflict. So I've neutralized the conflict. Uh, when I start speaking with my audiences, I start right at the beginning and say, I have zero conflict and zero stress in my life. And of course, you can see the looks in the audience, like, you know, El Toro doo-doo, you know, like, really? <laughs> really? And then I explain to them, it's not about do I do with conflicting things every day? Do I have stressful things every day? But it doesn't affect me because I neutralize that effect on me. And that's the key. I'm in control on how I navigate the stream. It reminds me a bit of the uh, film title by Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing. That if you consistently do the right thing, that will reverberate, reverberate sorry, through society. And the consequences associated with that can be positive you know there can be positive uh, relationships made just by virtue of neutralizing the scenario by doing the right thing that's exactly it you know you open the door for somebody you say thank you, you say please you know you clean your table off and you put the stuff away it's it's just doing all of that stuff and 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 realizing that we're interconnected and interdependent so it's almost like an an, an outward look at the world by constantly keeping in, in tune with whatever's happening around your environment. So then you aren't slamming a door on somebody. 
when you when you go into a line in, in, in a store or something and you know someone's ahead of you, you saw that. You didn't step in front of somebody. I mean, if you look at... Um, you know, any faith-based, it's do unto others. If you look at any faith-based stuff out there. Um, and, and, and that's basically it. You know, if, if, you, if you hurt somebody, you hurt yourself. If you lie to somebody, you lie to yourself. All, all, all those scenarios happen. So the idea is, 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 to, is to look and say, I'm interconnected with this. You know, why would I throw a paper on the ground? Why wouldn't I clean up my dog's poop? Just all of that and the awareness of that. And I think we need that more today's society. Um, the tribalism is horrible right now that's going on in the world. It's just very, very sad. And we need to start really looking at human skills to neutralize what's happening in the world. Or we're going we're gonna to be in a, in a problem in another five years from now unless we do. So are you generally optimistic uh, given that? Um, I am to a degree. I, I, you know, there's a little trepidation in me because unless we can put a movement together <clears throat> to have people talk more than fight, um, we are going to be in trouble. I am hopeful that the humans, you know, the human species is going to come out okay. We always do, uh, at, at least so far. <laughs> we always do. But I'm optimistic. But, but. My message is, instead of trying to change the world, going out there and yelling and screaming, be it. Change the world one person at a time. And that's what I try to do every day. Every day, I try to smile at somebody. Every day, I make my day an event. Every day when I meet somebody, I try to enhance that relationship. It doesn't always work. You know, I've had people look at me in an elevator when I smile and say hi, and as if I just, you know, crush them with something okay doesn't always work but that's the two percent 98 percent of most our days are pretty good and, and I, I think I also especially in North America um, our first world problems are nothing <laughs> are nothing and yet we seem to complain we again we make that two percent our 98 percent friends of mine uh, brought uh, a family from Africa one time uh, years ago and they worked it through the embassies and the person came out of their bathroom was beside themselves and my friend said what, what what's the matter what's the matter he said you people actually poop in your water <laughs> and my friend said what you that's clean drinkable water and you poop in it doesn't that put it in perspective who cares about a parking spot on St. Paul Street <laughs> You know, or the fact that, you know, someone slighted you or cut you off on the highway. You know, it, we, we, we live in a pretty good time if we can look at it. Yeah. Well, excellent. Well, Ted, I really appreciate this. And um, check out the 2percentfactor.com and the Law of Cooperative Action. Ted, it's really great meeting you, and thank you so much. I'm sure our Teuton Talk listeners will uh, appreciate this conversation with you today. Thanks a lot. It was great. Thank you. Bye for now.